Well, glory to God. My heart is stirred up. I'm just warning you. Praise God. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You know, I'll just be transparent with you. When you're leading worship, it takes some time to learn how to not be concerned about what people think of you when you're up there on the stage. You know, it just takes time to not get in that performance mode and, well, you want to look right, you know, look good. And, you know, God's helping me with that. And so I'm getting there and, and really, and, and I think we all are, you know, that's the way it is. But, wow, there is so much to be thankful about. And, and I want to have a I want to have a more aggressive posture toward the devil. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. This is a time, I believe, in the body of Christ where we're getting shaken. And the shaking is the Holy Spirit coming and saying, Hey, wake up. Wakey, wakey. I mean, there's some things going on that are astounding. As we look and see what's happened, not only in our nation, which there's a lot happened in our nation that is just incredible that you wouldn't have expected even 10 years ago. You know, just where the boundaries have been stretched every time, you know. And when it comes to morality, there is no morality, and they're proud of it. No, you're, you can do what you want. You can make your own rules. Your truth. You got your truth and I got my truth. So everybody feels so good with that. I'm telling you, man, it's a flat-out lie. There is truth and it never changes and it never fails and it will stand through the test of time. Glory to God. So, you know, I, I'm just seeing that here we are as a body of Christ called for such a time as this and you know, we're going to need to make that decision that we are going to be awakened within ourselves. And then when we come together corporately, we're going to be awakened too. Because how important that is. Corporate worship, you know, that corporate unity of the body of Christ is so important. And we'll go through uh, a story here, one of my favorite stories in the Bible in, in Second Chronicles, in just a little bit that illustrates that. But, you know... I, I want to talk, guess what I want to talk about tonight? You got it, brother. How did you guess, man? <laughs> Hallelujah. Give that guy a Snickers bar. Praise God. Yeah, you know what? I think any sermon that I do lately, which I don't do a lot of them, but when I get the opportunity, I, I have praise in the sermon somewhere. It, you know, it's just the way it is. So praise God. There's... There is not much that's more important than praise right now. Lifting up the standard. You know, when Satan comes in, when the devil comes in like a flood, and sometimes you can feel that way. You just feel like whoosh. You know, and wow. How, you know, you're trying to st stabilize yourself and deal with that, and then whoosh, you know, something else comes. And we all have those times where we can get pummeled, you know, by the things that, that want to bring us down. But I tell you what, when we realize that God always raises the standard higher than the flood, every time we can trust in the Lord, and, and as we get more experienced in our faith, we, well, do I want to say it this way? I don't want to say we look forward to those challenging moments, because they are challenging, but when you know you've got the victory, 
A lot of times it's the challenging moments that bring more of the presence of God because that's what you need. And it's easy when we're comfy and cozy, we're in the comfort zone, and, you know, we got God and everything's great, you know, life is good. When we're in that place, and God wants us to be blessed, but when we're in that place, let us not forget that we still have a sword. We still have a shield. We've got the armor of God, and we're to be ready. We're warriors. You know, we're not pacifists. <laughs> we're not spectators. We are participators in the plan of God for planet Earth. How, how exciting it is to be a part of this. So, you know, we have the ability, I, I believe in my heart that as things get worse in the world because that's all they've got, so they're just going to keep circling the drain and getting worse, it's not going to get better. They're not going to go, oh, you know, well, I guess that was wrong. We'll change. Uh, and unless they accept Jesus, and I pray that that happens, you know, I really do. I'll just share something with you. I hadn't planned on doing that, but I, it fits in the moment here, so I'll share it with you. Um, you know, over the course of the last six months, or last eight months, um, there's been a lot of uh, times where I have just felt, uh, what do I want to say? I, I have felt a fierceness come up on the inside of me because I, I'm seeing things that are wrong. I'm seeing things that are bad. I'm seeing evil trying to have its way, and it looks like it's working sometimes. But when we get our eyes on God, you know, God is not like, oh, wait, this is getting out of control. God knows what's going on. He's not on his heels. He's not breaking a sweat. And glory to God, you know, we, we've got the victory. We've got the victory. Now I forgot what I was going to tell you my story about. Oh, I remember. Okay. Um, so, you know, a lot of times when I'm driving home from work is a good time to pray. It's at the end of the day, and that's a time when I'll, I'll pray sometimes. And uh, so I, I would get in this uh, pattern of prayer, and, and I really believe it was from the Spirit of God. Um, and, and really what it amounted to was me praying for justice, Praying for judgment. You know, praying for righteousness to be exalted in America again. Praying for the Spirit of God to move and for people to wake up and for us to go forward, surge ahead, take the ground. Glory to God. You know, God didn't create us to be backing up, you know. So uh, you can get your emotions in that and bless God, you know, pray uh, in kind of a fierce way, at least me, uh, you know, for these things to come to pass. And so it's like, you know, I could sense, you know, on, on that train of thought, as I prayed, it's like the Holy Spirit just flipped a little switch and switched the track. You ever had that happen? You know, you're praying a certain way, and then, it, whoa, well, I guess I'm going this way. And, uh, and I just... I started praying not just for judgment and justice and, you know, I started praying, Lord, let there be a harvest of souls. Wow, that's what's most important. You know, God is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. You know, he's the Lord. And what is on his heart 
is for humanity to come to him, to love him, and to be saved, and to come to a knowledge of truth. And so, man, it was, it was really a moment for me, and that's why I want to share it with you, because it really made a difference in how I viewed things from the standpoint that, yeah, I still believe and pray for justice and for judgment on what's wrong, but instead of like, yeah, you know, they deserve that, you know, I have more of a posture of, wow, Lord, as judgment comes, let there be people that soften their hearts. And, you know, the people that are in leadership, the people that are in leadership roles that uh, are, are very persuasive and influential, let those people, as they're shaken for the corruption that is going on, let there be a turning back to you, Lord. Let there be just a, a, a new vision. Let them see what's going on so that they can be saved. And I, I started praying that way. And man, I just started sobbing. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's just like I, I almost got a, got a moment of lump in my throat feeling like, like what God does when his children are astray. And when they're, you know, what if our kids were astray? You know how that would feel. And so, you know, I, I just had that moment of, wow, this is what's important. And so, so anyway, that's my introduction, I guess. I do want to talk about praise and how important praise is. And I'll start here in Psalm chapter 33. If you've got a Bible, you can look at it with me. Psalm 33 and 34. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. You want to be beautiful, ladies? Praise is beautiful. And guys, it's beautiful for us too. I know, it doesn't sound as masculine. But, but praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. I love it. Okay, Psalm 34. If you go through the Psalms, you'll find all kinds of verses about praise. You ought to do that because, wow, it, it gets you stirred up. So Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Glory to God. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of that and be glad. So, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Glory to God. We're to continually praise God. You know, if we keep our eyes on him, we can do that. If we, if we keep our eyes on the truth that sets us free as we come to know it, then we can have the freedom to be real and be authentic in our own hearts that, yeah, I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. God really is in control. It's just so easy. It's so subtle how it's easy to just take, well, here, I'd better handle this. You know, God's taking a little too long. And so I'll handle this little thing. And then, oh, I'll handle this little thing. Before you know, you're trying to handle all these things. You're laden down with burden because <laughs> you can't handle it all. And he can. Humanity was not designed to be successful outside of the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Praise God. There's something that gives way if God isn't the center of our lives. 
Speak the word over your life, your situation, and your circumstances at all times. That's a better way to, or another way to say that, I should say. I will bless the Lord at all times. I, I like that because it says there, there's a determination there. It's not like, I certainly feel like blessing God, so I think I will. No, it's I will bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I will exalt Jesus. His praise is going to continually be in my mouth. Glory to God. That's a determination. That's a, that is a resoluteness that we need to have. In Psalm 111, we don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. It says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Glory to God. Who wants to be loved half-heartedly? Any takers on that? No. Nobody wants to be that way, and God doesn't either. He wants all of us because he's given all of himself to us. He wants all of us. We're all in, just like you would be in a marriage. And who wouldn't want their spouse to, or who would want their spouse to just be loving half-heartedly? No, you're going to want their whole heart. Your heart's going to ache if you don't have that. So that's the way it is with the Lord. And then I want to turn to Psalm 148 here and uh, Psalm 149. Praise, praise, praise. Did you know that uh, King David was a man after God's own heart? And, and King David didn't say that. The Lord said that. Wow, that carries a lot of weight. Isn't that amazing? He was a man after God's own heart. And what, what is maybe the first characteristic, or at least the top three characteristics, you think, of King David? One of those would be he was a praiser. He knew how to praise God. Man, he, he didn't seem to be, uh, you know, all caught up in what people thought of him. He danced. I mean, the dude danced in his underwear even, you know, which we don't recommend unless you're at home in the closet. But, you know, he, uh, he praised God and he worshiped God with a sincerity and with a passion. That's cool. That is awesome. All right. So, okay. Psalm 148. I'm just going to read from here and, and you'll get the whole feeling of this as I read it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. Wow. And I could go on, but I'm going to go on to uh, chapter 149 instead. It says the same thing. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. It's like whatever you've got, use that to praise the Lord with. If you don't have an instrument, then just dance. Praise God your own self. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let them sing praises to him with their temporal and harp. For the Lord, listen to this, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. That's important. He takes pleasure in you. 
That's amazing that you have the capability of pleasing God Almighty. The creator of everything is pleased by you. He's, you know, he's not impressed with everything else, with the Grand Canyon, the seven wonders of the world. I mean, those are awesome things. But what pleases God is when, when people give their hearts to him, just like he's given his heart. And what, what an awesome thing it is to be part of God's plan. So then Psalm 150 it says, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. And then it says, praise him with the trumpet, the harp, the dance, the stringed instruments and flutes, praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with clashing cymbals. Wow, that sounds noisy, doesn't it? <laughs> but wow, what, what a picture we get of that. God, he enjoys that. He's telling us, do it. You know, just, wow. Just uh, don't worry about being stuffy and looking just right. Don't care what people think as you praise your Lord. Glory to God. I want to get just a, a new definition or, or maybe just a more enhanced definition of praise tonight. So in verse 6, uh, like I just said, it says, let everything that has breath, everybody's breathing, everything that has breath, praise the Lord, glory to God. Let there be praise, glory to God. Why do we praise God? Does God, is he a little bit of an egomaniac and he just needs to hear? Uh, is he up there? He's like, okay, I am the Lord. Somebody, come on, tell me how great I am. Come on, what's the matter with you guys? No, it's not about him. He knows how great he is. He doesn't need anybody to remind him. It's for us. It is for us to praise God. There's something that happens in here when we praise God. There's something that takes place that transforms and we get strength, glory to God. We get sustenance. We get renewed strength. Glory to God. So, we praise God because it helps us. That's why he wants us to praise him, because he loves us, and he wants us to be helped. He wants us to have his best. And the only way that's going to happen is if we learn of him and know him intimately, not just well, here's God, but, you know, I'm kind of busy, and he makes me a little nervous. I don't quite understand everything. And, and I understand that line of thinking because, yeah, it, it takes an effort to really know God. It, it does. And, and it's something you'll do your whole life. <laughs> you know, all our lives through, we're going to be learning more and new things and learning to be patient. Wow. Yeah, that's a big one for me. Jesus, help me. You know, because my plan seems so much more quick and <laughs> better. <laughs> but uh, I learned real quick that, uh, no, he knows better than I do. So we praise God because it puts us in a place of seeing what God sees. And that's a good place to be because then you're seeing the reality. You know, 
we have a picture that's given to us from the world. I mean, think about the picture we get from the media all the time. Wow. I, I don't hardly believe a thing they say anymore. It's like, I used to think, well, yeah, they've got some bias, you know, but they, I'm sure they are smart people and know what they're talking about. You know what? I don't think that way anymore. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, you know, they have an agenda and it's not God's agenda. And so <laughs> we need to see what God sees. Uh, because if, if we hold on to what, you know, lies, things that are twisted, things that aren't true, um, it's going to lead us down the wrong path. It's going to take us to a place we don't want to go. So seeing what God sees, saying what God says, we just become instruments in God's hand because that's what he needs in these last days from his body. He needs people that are going to be bold. They're going to know him so much and so well that they're going to be bold with the truth. I think I've told this illustration one time before, but I'll say it again. I just uh, was really impressed with my cousin one time when we were driving down the road together, and I had my pickup, and we were pulling this uh, cargo trailer behind my pickup. And it was actually uh, his sister's wedding, and... Uh, we were taking materials and things to the, to the reception area. And suddenly, I looked in the rearview mirror and realized that the trailer had become disconnected, going down the highway. Going down the highway. Trailer became disconnected. And, you know, I, I was like, oh my gosh, you know. And my cousin John, who, who is really a dedicated Christian and just... He's just a cool guy. He, he immediately, his, it's like his impulse reaction, you know, that, that reaction. He uh, started saying, in Jesus' name, I command that that trailer go to the side of the road and that it not hurt anything, any property or anybody. I, it just boom, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> and John just busts out with this authoritative prayer. And I'm telling you, that trailer just skidded down in the lane like somebody was driving it and went right over to the shoulder and got into the gravel and, you know, kind of splayed the gravel out from the, uh, from the jack there and just came to a stop like we parked it on the shoulder. <laughs> Going down the highway. Wow. See, I want to be like that where I don't just say, oh my gosh, when something happens, <laughs> I speak the word, you know, like he did. Glory to God. That was really a, a testimony to me. Hallelujah. When we start saying what God says, we will start to see the results that God sees. Hallelujah. And that, once again, it takes patience. That's not an overnight thing. It takes patience. And here's the thing. His word never returns to him void. Ever. The word of God always gets planted and it always produces a harvest. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We can be assured of that. That's in the Word. Didn't grab the reference for that, but it's in there. So God is not just going to do things on the earth. He is waiting for His church to wake up and to rise up and to step up 
to do what he needs done in his name. You know, I think to myself uh, how excited I can get over some things. Uh, I like the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I can go to a Chiefs game, and it's really cool going to a Chiefs game because you go to this stadium where there's 80,000 people, and wow, it's, it just feels powerful, you know? You got this stereo roar, you know, all the time. And, and it's just amazing what people will do to cheer the Chiefs on and every other team, you know, all the, uh, all the sports. And nothing wrong with that. It's fun, you know, that's good. But here's the thing. If my praise for the Chiefs exceeds my praise for God, there's a problem. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. God has called us to not be timid, but to be bold. And to praise him like we're fighting a fight. To praise him like we're fighting a war. And we are. And I tell you what, if I'm being, if I'm, you know, if the chiefs are being outpraised over the Lord, yeah, that's not right. Or whatever team it is that, that you like, you know, just understand how important it is. If you can exert that much energy, you know, for a touchdown, which everybody's going to forget about in a few weeks, man, all the more. How, how much we need to praise God with a sense of fervency, you know, with, with a intensity and even a ferocity, I would say, a ferocity to lift up Jesus, to be, have him exalted above these other things that are trying to have their way on the earth. And we can raise up that standard. You know, that's what we can do. How, how difficult it is when you're in a situation where you're trying to talk with somebody and you have totally opposing views and wow it can be so easy to just get in the flesh you ever notice that it's like the flesh is just right there and and you're in it now you might be right but if you're in the flesh you know then it doesn't have any power anymore then you're just arguing you know and and so the thing about it is uh people that are great people as Christians, you know, I, I think of one example, Billy Graham. He, he was so influential. And the reason he was so influential wasn't because really of himself. It was the Spirit of God inside of him. He was so in touch with the Spirit of God. I really believe this. You know, people would criticize him. He wouldn't even deal with it. He wouldn't defend himself. And, and I thought, man, that, you know, what is it about that? You know, I read this in a book, and, and as I read through this book about Billy Graham's biography, I thought, wow, that is really true. And, you know, in the later years of his life, nobody really had much more criticism anymore because he, you know, he stuck through it all, you know? And he didn't have to defend himself. He didn't have to, you know, argue back against the things that were spoken wrongly of him. His focus was on the Lord. His focus was on his purpose and on his mission, which was to exalt Jesus. And so, in the end, you know, he was probably one of the most respected ministers in the world. 
you know, because he had that viewpoint and had that ideology of not defending himself, but defending the truth. And that's what God's called us to do. Glory to God. i got to move along here. So I wanted to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Go the right way here. All right. And this, this passage everybody's familiar with. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. You know, you got your favorite verses. Well, I have a favorite passage, and that's what this is. This is all about King Jehoshaphat. Everybody remember King Jehoshaphat and what uh, happened? Probably the, the number one thing he's known for in his, in his reign as king of Israel. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is, a, is what I call a recipe for victory. Man, it's awesome. We're going to go through it as quick as I can here. A recipe for victory. And that recipe basically has three ingredients in it. There's fasting. I tell you what, fasting now. You know, you can go to the prayer meeting, right? But, but when they're calling a fast, it's like, oh, gee, I, my schedule's full. I just, sorry, I can't, can't commit to that. But, wow. You know, when you get fasting and prayer together, and then there's praise. I mean, that's the recipe for victory. Let's take a look at this. Just kind of go through verse by verse and, uh, and kind of break this down here. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. They, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. Okay. So we can see in the first verse here, defining this, this isn't just a small group. This is two nations plus others, basically. And as you read on, it talks about Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. So there's like three armies coming against Israel. This is huge. This is huge. And Jehoshaphat feared. And before we get too hard on him about being afraid, um, wow, put yourself in his shoes, you know. So he feared, but here's what happened. He set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So there's that fast word again. You know, they were serious. They just didn't have a prayer meeting about it. They had a fast meeting about it. Fasting and praying. The whole nation. Wow. I wonder what would happen if the whole nation of America, the United States, would have a fast and prayer. We'd, we'd see some things move, I guarantee you. So... He set himself to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. From all the cities. This is like everybody in the country. Hallelujah. 
So the first thing that Jehoshaphat did was to seek God. That's always a good policy. You know, sometimes it's the last resort, you know, because we find ourselves relying on our own strength and relying on our own uh, skill and ability and talent and intelligence, whatever. And then we always get to the point where it's like, oh, there's an end to that, right? Some of us is maybe sooner than others, I don't know. But, you know, there's a point when we all come to and realize, uh, I need God. <laughs> I mean, to have this res resolved, I, I'm going to need Jesus, you know. And so that's the first thing he did. So kudos to uh, King Jehoshaphat there. You know, he could have tallied up his assets first. He didn't even do that. He just went straight to the Lord. And in verse 4, their unity of the people and corporate prayer and fasting. Here's what I say about that. If one can put a thousand to flight, it says in the Bible, one can put a thousand demons to flight. You know, what does it say? Ten? How does that say? Yeah, two can put ten thousand to flight. So if you get a whole nation, wow, there's some things happening there. And someday we're going to see into that spiritual realm and see how all that works. You know, right now we take it by faith. We believe it from the Word of God. But uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. Okay, so, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord and before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule? over all the kingdoms of the nations, and in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple, and in your presence for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you, here's his faith, see? He says no matter what happens, there's scenarios here, but he says you will hear and save. That's his confession of faith. That's where he's at. You know, when you go spend time with God, you're going to say the right things. You're going to have the right confession. You know, he, he had, he could have still been afraid, but this tells me, he started in fear, but he made the decision to go to the Lord. And that put him in a position of faith. Glory to God. That works for all of us. Hallelujah. So in verses 6 through 9, what I see here is at, in his prayer toward the children of Israel, what's he doing? He's stirring these people up. He's getting them stirred up. He's reminding them what God said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is nothing better to confront an issue in your life than to get yourself stirred up. Don't wait for the pastor to stir you up. I mean, come and let him stir you up, but let that be a part of it. Stir yourself up. Oh, how important that is, you guys. And, and that, you know, it, uh, I'll tell you one other thing. When I got my back healed seven years ago, it was 2014, and it was a miracle, and I don't want to go through the whole story because I don't have time. But basically, I learned something that night when I fought for my healing. I was in level 10 pain. I was in excruciating pain. 
I felt panic trying to come on and and I just anyway I ended up praying for hours and at the end of that whole thing when I woke up the next morning I was healed I was healed and what I learned from that is when I first started praising God for my healing I still felt everything I felt before I felt the pain you know and the frustration of that and it didn't seem like the word was real I, I didn't feel like the word was real but as I kept saying well praise God Lord I praise you I'm trusting you God I know that you've provided healing and I praise you and that's what the Holy Spirit told me to do to just praise him as I did that there was a moment where it's like somebody just took the pilot light and poof, turned it on and poof, pilot light came on and I, I could just feel something inside of my heart just poof. and from that point on it's almost I, I don't say that I didn't care about how I felt because I did care but that didn't matter so much no more because I was going to praise God. I tell you, there was a ferocity that rose up in my heart that I'm going to praise God and I'm going to see the victory in this. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I will have the victory. And, you know, you get that attitude towards the devil and you don't back down and you look him in the eye and you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you, but you look the devil in the eye and tell him the word of God, and he will back down. He will. And it's awesome. And so, stirring ourselves to remember the promises of God. Whew, how important that is. Focusing on the nature and attributes and character of God. Glory to Jesus. I know in my own situation there with my back being healed, if I hadn't taken that stance, I don't believe I would have been healed. I don't think it would have happened. I could have, you know, said some more verses and, you know. But God showed me the way through, and he will do that for you, whatever you're going through. You know, there's times when we're all feeling good and things are going well, and then there's times when we're getting beat up. And when, in those times when you're getting beat up, if you just turn to God he, and, and you just give him your heart and you ha hold on to that faith and speak his word, he will show you the way through whatever it is you're dealing with. He will show you. He'll show you the path. Hallelujah. Now, your path might not be my path. He doesn't lead everybody just the exact same cookie-cutter way. But the Spirit of God will speak to us if we stir ourselves and if we focus on Him. So, moving along here. So he says, now here are the people, in verse 10, of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Well, here they are now, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession. Doesn't sound very fair, does it? Um, which you have given us to inherit. Here's what he says in verse 12. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power. See, as, if we can take this example. Let me read the rest of the verse and then I'll elaborate. Um, o, our, o our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You know, what I want to point out about that first thing I want to point out 
is when you feel powerless, and you know, we, we can feel powerless and feel like, wow, evil's just having its way and what's going on here? But when we turn to the Lord, there's things working that you don't even know about. Behind the scenes, you know, in the spiritual realm, where everything really is, that's the real. Did I just go out? There we go. You know, that's the real thing, is the spiritual realm. And God is working where we don't even see yet. We've got to take that by faith. But He is faithful, He is working. And he says here, so we've got this situation. It's not fair, Lord. And we seem powerless against it. But, and we don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Glory to God. Jehoshaphat was saying all the right things. Verses 15 through 17. Well, in verse 14, I'll just kind of paraphrase here just for the sake of time. The Spirit of the Lord became, uh, came upon one of the prophets there, Jehaziel, and he prophesied, you know, that you're going to go up and the battle is not, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them, they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. I wonder what they thought when they heard that. They're like, what? I've got my sword right here. It's sharpened and ready to go. I've got my shield. But the prophet says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Here's what he says. Position yourselves. Wow, there's a message there. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat received that. Glory to God. God's response is never defeat. It is always victory. Now we have defeats because we're, we're people and we learn as we go. But don't focus on the defeat. That's not the point. God can take, actually God can take your defeats and really teach you some some neat things from those. So don't ever be worried about the defeats or the failures. God's bigger than that. He'll, he'll take your failures and turn them around and, and whatever the devil causes and, and wants for evil, God will just turn that thing around and mock the devil by turning that into good in your life. That's the reality. That's what God does all the time. It's always victory. You shall not fight this battle. So they did fight the good fight of faith. And now they're in position to see how God fights and wins. Position yourselves and stand still. And I want to say something here and, and catch hold of this because I think it's important. Position precedes possession. If you're in the right position, you know, God's told us to occupy till he comes. That doesn't mean, well, just lay around and wait for him to come. That means you, you got your sword out and your shield up and you're occupying that territory. And so God's telling us to occupy and to be ready, position ourselves in the right position. And then you can stand and see what the Lord's going to do. It's so awesome.
You know, these guys didn't have to break a sweat. God wasn't breaking a sweat, and neither were they. God just did it. Don't fear, don't be dismayed, but go and act out your faith, for the Lord is with you. Glory to God. So they rose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness, and uh, once again they had some exhortation before the battle, said, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And he, when he had consulted with the people, they came up with a battle plan, a strategy. He appointed those who would sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. So that's the praise team. The praise team was the front line. That says something. God must put a little value on the praise. Wow. You know, I mean, here's the praise team. They're ready to go. They got their swords. They got their armor. And, and Jehoshaphat says, no, here, just lay that aside. You won't be able to hold that and hold your instrument. So lay your sword and your shield aside and pick up your harp, pick up your, pick up your guitar, whatever it is, and sing and praise me. Wow. And here's the thing. You don't read about people saying, huh, are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. No, they did it. They obeyed. I mean, these people were in one accord. Can you see that, how important that is, the power of unity? These people are in one accord. <laughs> now, in verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the, <laughs> the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Zir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. <laughs> wow. Uh, surely when we get to heaven, they'll have, uh, yeah, reruns, you know, videos or not videos, CDs? No. You know, God's got some cool technology, and he'll, he'll be able to let us see what happened. I really believe that. That would be so much fun to see that, you know, to experience glory to God. So Jehoshaphat and Judah trusted. They worshiped the Lord. They believed. They just made the decision to believe, to stand on the word in the face of all kinds of adversity. Belief is a choice based on knowledge. So when you come to know the truth, that's when it sets you free. There's going to be truth all around you. But if you don't know it, if it's not in you because you've got the Holy Spirit and you're learning these things and you're taking it in, then it's still not going to set you free. People who know the truth, it sets them free. Believe is a choice based on knowledge. The people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. That's huh. exactly what happened here. Praise God. God's front line is the praisers. You know, that's who we are. You don't have to be up on the stage to be a praiser. You can get crazy and just, just praise all over the place. You know, we are a charismatic church, right? Last time I checked, I remember 
days where, you know, there'd be some radical things happen. And man, I want to say, let's get back to some of that. Let's not care what people think. Let's, let's just let it all out. I'm going to praise God. And I, I'm not going to be thinking about what anybody's thinking. I'm just going to lift up Jesus. That's why I'm here. I'm going to exalt the name of Jesus. And as I do, as I lift up Jesus, I'm going to be pulling down strongholds. Glory to God. He has equipped us to pull down strongholds in Jesus' name as we exalt him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And then the last thing that happened here, and there's, there's other things I could point out, but I think I'll just skim through a little bit of it here for the sake of time. The bottom line is they spent, paraphrasing here, these next few verses, you can read them later. They spent three days collecting all the spoils from their enemies. They never broke a sweat. Nobody shed a drop of blood. This is God's way of doing things. How many of you think God has the best way of doing things? Awesome. Awesome. And here's the other thing. What world were these people wearing jewelry and, you know, all kinds of stuff for spoil? It's like, <laughs> what's up with that? They're getting ready for battle and, you know, I feel like wearing my bracelet today. I think, you know... That doesn't really make any sense, but, <laughs> you know, they just, uh, they didn't realize they were being led by the Spirit of God to uh, don all this expensive jewelry <laughs> and then go out and, and uh, give it all away. Glory to God. Give it, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, isn't that right? Hallelujah. Moving right along here. Um, just a couple more nuggets and then I'll close. Praise has nothing to do with feeling like it. You know, sometimes people think praise is just, oh, I feel so good. I'm just going to praise God, which is a great time to praise God when you do feel good. But the best time to praise God is when you don't feel good. When things seem bad. And you don't want to praise God because you don't feel like it. And I'm telling you, that's the best time to praise God. Lift up the name of Jesus and watch things change. Glory to God. Praise is a decision based on the word of God. It's based on the truth of God. And once you get yourself stirred, then you'll start feeling like, I guarantee you. Once you get yourself stirred you'll start feeling like praising because it'll become real to you again. And the things, what does that song say? The things of earth will go, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that is so true. Okay, second little nugget here. Stop measuring yourself against your situation. Measure God against the situation and you will no longer be overwhelmed. Hallelujah. He's greater. The greater one dwells within you. Glory to God. So good. If you want to displace principalities and powers, you must activate the weapon of praise. Lift up Jesus and pull down strongholds. God has called us to be warriors.
There's strongholds that need to be pulled down. And I've got news for all of us. We're, God's not going to pull them down. He's going to have his people who are full of his spirit pull them down. You are equipped. You have the spirit of God inside of you. All things are possible. Oh, we need to see ourselves in the light of how God sees us. Because he knows we're awesome. He made us. And we have the capability with the Spirit of God inside of us to overcome all things. Glory to God. And the last thing I want to share here before we wrap it up here. Praise and worship is a lifestyle. It's not just something you do. It's a lifestyle. Remember where we started there in, in Psalms chapter 33 and 34, where it says, I will praise the Lord continually. I will bless the Lord at all times. And we need to say that. You know, we need to speak it out and let our own ears hear what our mouth's saying. I will bless the Lord. I will praise God. Hallelujah. So it isn't something just for Sundays. Every day is a hand-in-hand walk with Jesus. That's exactly what it is. And we have the victory moment by moment as we walk with him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go ahead and stand up, if you would, please. And um, I don't think I'm going to sing a song, Linda, but if you could go to the piano, that would be great. Um, <clears throat> I just want to take a moment here. We don't have to take a long time, but I just want to take a moment. I, I feel like it's a good thing to do. Um, let, let's go ahead and, and just bow our heads and close our eyes. Nobody looking around. And I, I just want to open it up this evening. You know, I'm, I'm not a, the pastor here. I'm just a brother in Christ. But I can pray with you just like the pastor can. We can pray together and God will meet you where you're at. And you know, in the days that we're living in, I know that there is a real temptation to be discouraged. There, there's a real temptation to, to be intimidated by what the enemy is, 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 uh, is doing. There's a temptation to see all the things that make us fearful instead of having our eyes on Jesus. And that's no condemnation there. We, we all have to fight that fight. But I just want to open it up. If there's anybody that needs prayer, you know, something going on in your life where you feel overwhelmed, don't feel judged by that. I, I want you to come down here and I'll, I'll pray with you, okay? If there's anybody that, that just, man, I just need a brother to pray with me because this is a big deal in my life. I just want to open it up and say, come on down. Come on down right now if you need prayer for anything. Glory to God. Praise God. He is the greater one. And he has plans of victory for every one of us. There's nobody left out. Glory to God.